Welcome to the Weekly Wrap podcast by the National Farmers Federation. Here's this week's update. to welcome up Murray Watt, was elected as a Senator for Queensland in 2016. He is the Albanese Government's Minister for Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestries and Minister for Emergency Management. Minister Watt is Brisbane born and bred and has strong family ties to regional Queensland with both sides of his family having a long history in farming and teaching. Please welcome Senator the Honourable Murray Watt. Thank you. Thanks very much, Dan. I've only ever seen you on TV, so it's nice to meet you in person. Likewise. <laughs> I'm, a lot, uh, I'm, I'm a lot more disappointing in real life, I can tell you. Uh, I should stick, well, maybe I should stick to radio. Um, thanks very much for that kind introduction, and it's great to see all of you here today. Welcome to Parliament House uh, for those of you who aren't locals to Canberra. Uh, as you're probably aware, the Ngunnawal and Ngabri people were the original custodians of this land that we're on today. Uh, and which makes them, of course, this region's very first farmers, uh, caring for the land in a sustainable manner uh, while providing food and fibre for their families for thousands of years. So we're gathering today on their land, and I'd obviously like to pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Uh, I'd also like to thank the NFF uh, for the opportunity to address your summit here in Parliament House. And I want to congratulate Fiona, Tony and all of their team uh, for the great work that they've done organising what is a really important event for sharing uh, great information. I can already see some Queenslanders in the crowd. Hey, John, how are you? Um, and Mike? Um, always good to see Queenslanders in Canberra, I reckon. Um, we like the rest of you too, don't worry. It's OK. <laughs> it's OK. Um, the, uh, and so, yeah, can I just say to everyone here from the agri agriculture sector, whatever part of the sector you're from, you're from um, I, I would just want to say how privileged I feel to be uh, your industry's minister in uh, a federal government. Um, it's just this week, it's actually six months since there was a change of government and since we, since we were elected, uh, which doesn't feel like a lot of time, uh, but I feel like there's been a lot that's happened in the sector and I feel like there's a lot that I've fitted in uh, as the Minister for Agriculture, Fisheries and Forestry uh, over that period. Uh, and I guess I wanted to take the opportunity to share some of that with you today and give you more of an insight into some of the priorities that we've been setting out and where we're taking them from here. Um, over that six months, I've worked out that I've now visited, uh, it's somewhere between 20 and 30 farms and food processing operations. Uh, from the first one, uh, a cotton property outside Emerald that I was there with Fiona and Tony in just after taking on the role uh, through to last week where I was at a sheep farm uh, in the Barossa Valley in South Australia having a look at the livestock traceability work that that particular operation is doing. And I've really tried to make a priority of getting out on the ground uh, to hear directly from people about how the industry is travelling and what we can be doing as a government to continue to support it. Um, of course, it hasn't all been easy um, for, for everyone in the sector. It uh, hasn't all been farm visits. There's been some very serious threats of exotic animal and plant diseases on our doorstep uh, over the last few months, along with relentless natural disasters. Uh, we've delivered our first budget and, of course, the COP27 conference was held last, last couple of weeks and it was really terrific to see uh, representatives of our agriculture industry flying the flag for Australia there. Um, but above all, if I had to sort of summarise what we've been trying to achieve since coming to office in this sector, it's been that we want to make sure that we're protecting the sector from threats that it faces, while also making sure that we're helping the sector to grow 
Uh, we can't all just be about protecting ourselves from threats and we can't only be about opening up new markets and things like that. It's actually got to be both. And what we've tried to do in pursuing those objectives is also make sure that we're doing it in very close partnership uh, with the industry, because I think that is how we achieve the best success. Now, our government, like our predecessors, supports the NFF's $100 billion roadmap. We think it's a really good plan setting forward the future for ag, and we've been trying wherever possible to partner with the NFF and other stakeholders in how we can deliver on those ambitions. Uh, because I think, you know, it doesn't really need to be said in an audience like this, but I want you to know that at the centre of our government, we do see agriculture as a really important industry for our economy and for our community overall. Because for whatever part of the sector you're from, uh, you feed our nation and the globe, you produce uh, thousands and millions of jobs right across Australia, particularly in our rural and regional areas. You produce vital export income for our country and you're a massive part of our national identity. Um, so for any one of those reasons, agriculture is an industry worth getting behind, uh, and that's something that I take very seriously as Minister, and the rest of our government does as well. Um, I've said before that I feel very fortunate to uh, take on this role at a time when, on the whole, the industry is doing pretty well. Uh, we know uh, that overall there have been three consecutive years of above average rainfall across the country and by and large that has meant good conditions for our farmers and producers. Of course there are parts of the country that have had far more rain uh, than they need uh, and I can assure, assure you uh, I've seen plenty of that lately as have no doubt many of you. Uh, but as I say, I think it is important to recognise that on the whole the industry is performing very strongly at the moment and congratulations to all of you in your role in making that happen. Uh, you might have seen some work that ABARES put out last week uh, entitled Agriculture in Australia and I don't know whether you've got any present presenters from ABARES here today. Uh, and what that piece of work from ABARES said was that agriculture went from three years of drought to reaching new heights in 2020-21 and then went on to even greater things the following year in 21-22. And what that meant was that the industry set new records with a gross value of production of $85 billion. Uh, and over that period of time, what ABARES found was that many regions had transitioned from very poor to very good conditions within the span of a single season. Of course, that comes on the back of that very prolonged drought that so much of rural Australia saw. Um, this has been also due, of course, to the rare phenomenon of very high and increasing commodity prices for almost all of Australia's major agricultural products. And some of that, let's face it, has been for pretty tragic reasons involving Ukraine. Um, but it is, it is beneficial, of course, for our producers to be getting those prices, especially given some of the increase in input costs that we've been seeing at the same time. So, with significant international and domestic market uncertainty likely to be with us for some time to come, that's why making the right investments now is going to be key to, as I say, protecting the sector from threats that it faces and growing it into the future. But despite the challenges that we're facing, and I'll go into some of those, I, I remain incredibly optimistic about the future of this industry uh, in, in our country 
because I think what I've learned in the few months that I've been the Minister, and it confirms some of what I'd learned in previous roles that I'd had, was that the energy, the innovation and the passion of people in this industry is what is absolutely key to its ongoing future. And you can't help hang out with agriculture people like I do without some of that passion and optimism infecting you and, and really inspiring you, and it certainly does inspire me. So, so what do I mean by protecting and growing our industry? I might just take you through a few of the, the ways that I think about that. So let's start with biosecurity. Um, so you all know that a strong biosecurity system is vital to protect our agriculture sector. Uh, and what a year it's been uh, for biosecurity in this country, where it literally became uh, a water cooler conversation around offices around the country, let alone the conversations that were happening on the land. The presence of both foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease in Indonesia does present a heightened risk uh, for, of a large incursion in Australia, and it's a risk we need to take seriously still. Of course, on top of that, we've seen varroa mite and a range of plant diseases like capra beetle and banana freckle also threaten a range of Australian producers. Now, in response to that, what we've tried to do as a government is deploy what I can honestly say is the strongest response from a biosecurity perspective to any threat we have seen before. Uh, I've talked a bit about our three-pronged approach to dealing with those biosecurity threats. Firstly, we've supported our Indo-Pacific neighbours. Uh, secondly, we've toughened our legislation and a range of other measures at home. And thirdly, we've stress-tested our preparedness. And in doing so, what we've tried to do is align ourselves very carefully uh, with our state and territory partners in the nation's first ever national biosecurity strategy. And as I say, that notion of partnership, I think, was incredibly important for dealing with those threats that our country has faced and continues to face. Uh, and that partnership was very strong, especially at the time of absolute crisis when people were very, very worried about foot and mouth disease coming into this country. That partnership between all levels of government, along with industry, uh, has been vital to resisting the threats that we face, not to mention having forged some very strong relationships which have allowed us to, to, to work through some other issues as well. Uh, I always take the opportunity to remind people that we are foot and mouth disease and lumpy skin disease free, uh, and we need to keep it that way. Uh, but the last few months have illustrated the need for a biosecurity system which can continue to protect the sector from contemporary challenges. So that's why I'm pleased to report back to you that the centrepiece of our agriculture budget a few weeks ago was an investment of $134.1 million to bolster Australia's biosecurity system against the immediate threat of disease. And I see that as a substantial down payment on our election commitment to deliver long-term sustainable biosecurity funding. Now that commitment that we made, which I know is something that many in the industry have called for for quite some time, is something that we're now working on, uh, having delivered that immediate injection of funding. Uh, and we're going to be delivering on that commitment around long-term sustainable biosecurity funding after we have properly consulted with our partners in the industry and other stakeholders. And if you weren't aware, that consultation process has now begun. Uh, and I encourage anyone who's got some views about what our future biosecurity system needs to look like, and importantly, who should pay for it and how much and by what proportion, uh, to get onto our department's Have Your Say website because that's the opportunity to provide your views. Now, we understand that this is a complex matter and it requires careful consideration and time to engage in meaningful conversations with everyone who's got a stake in this. 
but the biosecurity investments that we're making right now through the budget mean that we're not going to drop our guard in the meantime. The other issue which I know is certainly front of mind for many people in regional Australia at the moment is our response to natural disasters. Uh, I never really realised how appropriate would, it would be to have a Minister for Agriculture who also is the Minister for Emergency Management, uh, but it's pretty handy right now. Uh, my wife might not agree. Um, our, our primary producers, as all of you know, uh, are on the front line of almost every fire, cyclone, hailstorm, or as we've seen more recently, intense repeated flooding. And over the last week, we've seen yet again uh, the devastating floods that have hit central West New South Wales, with some communities experiencing their sixth or seventh flood just this calendar year. So it's no surprise that people in these communities are really tired. Uh, the SES personnel are tired, their community leaders are tired, because it's been happening time and time again this year. Uh, and in the last few weeks alone, uh, I've personally met with farmers and communities everywhere from Western New South Wales, through the Northern Victoria, Northern Tasmania, Adelaide, and I suspect I'll be back out in South Australia over the next few weeks as the Murray continues to lift there as well. Uh, and all of those communities and farmers have suffered major crop losses and serious damage to roads and other infrastructure. Just this morning, uh, the Prime Minister joined the New South Wales Premier to tour Yugowra, where I was on the weekend. Uh, and you would have seen, if you haven't been there yourself, that's a town that has been totally devastated by the flooding event they had last week. Now, we are, of course, uh, as any government would, providing billions of dollars in recovery support to farmers and other community members as they deal with those groups. And that is, importantly, being done in partnership with states and territories. And that approach will continue about providing that recovery support after the event. Uh, but if there's something that we are trying to do differently in this space as a new government, what we want to change is, is how we deal with these natural disasters and move from what we've seen in the past, which is a very reactive approach, to a lot more work around prevention and preparedness. Because put simply, I think that the events of the last few years have, have showed us that we need to be much better prepared for these sorts of natural disasters as a country than we have in the past. Uh, and that's why one of the other things that we committed to in this budget was creating a new disaster ready fund. And I'm hoping that that legislation will be passed by the parliament this week. Uh, and what that will do is invest up to $1 billion over the next five years, so up to $200 million every year, uh, from a federal government uh, to help build that preparedness in communities right across the country. And that money hopefully will be matched by states, territories and local governments. That's certainly going to be the ask from us, uh, which will provide a very serious and ongoing injection of funding to help build things like flood levees, drainage improvements, uh, bushfire evacuation centres, fire breaks, cyclone shelters, telecommunications improvements, all of those kind of things that we know can help to protect people, protect their homes and farms, uh, and also, of course, protect the taxpayer uh, and potentially reduce some of those bills that we all incur every time we have one of those big events. Um, but as I say, as well as protecting uh, the agriculture sector from things like biosecurity threats and natural disasters, it is also important that we, need to, that we do keep working with industry to help it grow. Uh, we won't achieve that $100 billion goal if we don't do that as well. And the best way, I think, for Australian agriculture to do that is by engaging meaningfully with our trading partners. Of course, we want to keep exporting more and we want to get even better value for our product going forward. Now, you would all be aware uh, that negotiations are ongoing 
uh, with a number of uh, countries around very important trade agreements with key export destinations. Our Trade Minister, Senator Don Farrell, has undertaken very meaningful engagement with the United Kingdom, the EU and with India. In fact, just this morning, we met with the Director General of the World Trade Organisation, about 50 metres down the corridor, uh, and we discussed the importance of further trade reform to build our agriculture sector and also to deal with the global challenge of food security. Uh, later today, I expect that we will pass the legislation through the Senate uh, that enables the finalisation of the trade deals with the UK and India, which is again a very positive step forward. Uh, because all of these agreements provide a massive opportunity to continue to grow our agriculture exports and therefore the industry as a whole. Uh, and I should note, when we're talking about trade, uh, that there's probably been no bigger global news event from an Australian perspective over the last week than Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Because I think we need to be honest about the fact that Australian agriculture, fisheries and forestry has paid a heavy price for the deterioration in our relationship with our country's biggest trading partner. And you will have seen that our new government has been very consistent that we want to see these trade blockages removed. Because we think it's not just in Australia's interest, but it's also in China's interest for that to happen as well. And we'd prefer to resolve these trade blockages through sensible and mature discussion. Uh, and I know that across the agriculture sector, there was intense interest in this meeting that occurred last week between the two leaders and what it might mean going forward. Uh, because it is a really significant step. Uh, and I think the, you know, it is a very positive step being the first such meeting between the two countries' leaders since 2016. Uh, the Prime Minister has made clear that it's not in our country's interests to have no dialogue with our major trading partner. But I think we all do need to remember that there's a long way to go yet. It is a very positive step, but it is simply a step at this point in time. Uh, and we've made very clear uh, that in trying to stabilise that relationship with China, we will continue to always stand up for Australia's values and our national interest. Um, the other major international event that occurred last week was, of course, COP27. And I know Fiona, Tony and possibly others in the room uh, were there on behalf of the agriculture sector in Australia. I think that was really terrific to see that level of engagement uh, uh, from senior leadership of our industry on the global stage, uh, joining a range of other government ministers. And I think the fact that people were there from the sector shows uh, that the industry itself understands that incre increasingly our trading partners are wanting the products they import to be sourced sustainably. And in order to grow our industry to that $100 billion level, uh, we need to ensure that we're not only providing the products that our customers want, but that we're also sustainable in the way that we produce it. Uh, and this is a really big focus for me as the new minister. Uh, I've said before that I think that Australia's agriculture industry has been waiting for a government that would join the industry's own efforts in creating more sustainable production. Everywhere I go, I see it. I see the amazing things that farmers have already been doing uh, in the absence of really strong policy leadership at a federal level. Uh, and why wouldn't your average farmer be doing this kind of thing? When you consider that ABARE's research shows that climate change is costing every farm on average $30,000 per year in Australia. There's a massive financial incentive for people to start um, doing their own work around sustainability, which is what I've seen so many farmers doing. 
I think farmers, processors and the industry overall long ago moved on from those climate wars that were racking our country and I'm really pleased uh, that we finally have a government that is now here to help the industry take those challenges further. Uh, I think the best early example of that is what we saw last month in the lead up to COP with the really cooperative spirit that we all approached the Global Methane Pledge. Um, that was a difficult issue for many in the industry and there'd been all sorts of things said about what it, what it would mean for the industry, particularly the livestock industry, in the lead up to the last COP event. Uh, but unlike what we saw in other countries, where ag wasn't really at the table, we, we worked very closely with ag leaders from very soon after we were elected around this issue to all understand together what the pledge actually meant rather than what certain people were saying it meant and how we could deal with it in a way that benefited the industry. And that's why the approach we've taken is different to New Zealand. We haven't gone down the path of taxes and punitive measures. What we've done instead is provide incentives, things like the $5 million in research and development funding that Chris Bowen and I announced into methane reduction uh, uh, mechanisms, uh, and also, of course, the money that we delivered uh, in the budget for commercialisation of seaweed as a feed supplement. Again, I think it's that point about partnerships and working together, which is what enables us to really take this industry forward. We're also working with the NFF and a range of other stakeholders in the industry on many other sustainability improvements that stand to really benefit uh, the agriculture sector, uh, like the carbon market review that's underway at the moment and the expansion of a biodiversity market. And I think it is that partnership approach that gives us the opportunity to deliver a real win-win here, a win for farmers and a win for the environment. That's what we should be all about. Um, so I really want to commend uh, the peak groups uh, and industry generally who've been at really active partners in this process. Uh, I've had a lot of people tell me uh, that they've appreciated working with a government that really listens to industry and that's certainly the approach that we want to take going forward on all of these things. Because I think that through careful, uh, respectful collaboration, we've already managed to achieve some good outcomes for the industry uh, and we're only just getting started uh, because those sort of outcomes that benefit the industry and the environment are the sort of things that I know industry's about and it's what our government's about as well. Um, the final priority that I wanted to mention to you is something uh, in terms of things that will help grow the sector is something that farmers, meat processors and their representatives have been raising with me all the time and that's of course workforce shortages. Um, there's no doubt that these shortages are restricting the ag sector just as they are the entire economy. Uh, let's face it, it doesn't matter what industry or what business you go to at the moment, people are talking about needing more workers. Uh, and this is not a new problem. It's something that's been around for a number of years, uh, albeit made worse through COVID, and we haven't had any solutions delivered to these problems that have been dogging the industry for a long time. Uh, and I'm pleased that we are starting to make some improvements on that front, again in partnership with industry. Uh, you might have seen that after the Jobs and Skills Summit that we held here at Parliament House, we announced the creation of a tripartite working group, uh, which comprises representatives from agricultural employer, employer groups, unions and governments, to try to work through some of these difficult issues uh, where there hasn't been agreement in the past. Uh, last week, uh, we held the second meeting of that working group and I think we are starting to make some headway in people getting to know each other, people getting to understand where each other's coming from uh, so that we can come up with some really enduring solutions that aren't just, just about one harvest, as important as that is, but are about the importance and, and will last for years in the sector overall. Uh, but we're certainly not waiting for that working group to start delivering uh, on, on some outcomes and I can see a couple of members from that working group in the audience. 
Uh, we've already begun to do some work in this space by beefing up the PALM scheme. Um, we now have the highest number of PALM or Pacific uh, Australia Labor Mobility uh, Program workers that the country has ever seen. Uh, backpacker numbers are rising. Uh, we can't necessarily track exactly what sectors they're working in, but they are coming back from the lows that they've been in. We're beginning to unclog, unclog the shocking backlog of visa applications that existed when we took office uh, by putting more resources to clear that backlog. Uh, and I'm really pleased to tell you that we haven't forgotten about local workers. Uh, our government has put the agriculture sector on the list of priority industries when it comes to working out which industries will benefit from the new fee-free TAFE places that we committed to at the election. So I recognise that the shortage is severe. It's been around for a long time. People are very frustrated and ready to see some action. And I think we are starting to see some action there while we are trying to build those longer term solutions. I might just wrap up there by reflecting on the fact that uh, the importance of agriculture to our economy, to our society and to our place in the world just cannot be overstated. The Prime Minister really does get this and that's why he's raised agricultural trade and food security as top priorities during meetings that he's been having with world leaders at those various summits he's been to recently. I certainly get it as your representative in the Cabinet and in the Government overall, and I will very much continue to engage with you and your, and your representatives uh, into the future. I really think that the entire Albanese Government does get the importance of agriculture, uh, and we really do appreciate the work that our sector does do every single day right across the country. And as I say, as a Government, what we're trying to do is work with the sector to protect it and to grow it, uh, as we deal with biosecurity threats, a modernising global food market and our transition to a low carbon economy. Uh, and as I say, at the core of it is acting in partnership with all in the industry, whether it be farmers, processors, workers, supply chain members, peak bodies, everyone has got a stake in the success of this industry and I'm really looking forward to working with you in the years ahead to deliver on those uh, opportunities. Thanks very much. Thank you very much, uh, Minister, particularly the point that you made there about protecting the sector while also helping it to grow. Uh, and also that synergy piece about the synergy with uh, the agriculture sector and emergency management, which sadly you've been uh, at the forefront of helping to share that story with the nation in, in recent months. And that disaster ready fund, I know there's lots of people that have been talking about that are very keen uh, to see how that unfolds and then the building preparedness part of that. So thank you so very much for joining us on what uh, is a very busy day and a very, very busy uh, Parliament sitting week. Ladies and gentlemen, the Minister. Thank you for listening to this weekly wrap up from the National Farmers Federation. For more information about the NFF, visit nff.org.au. Otherwise, stay tuned until next week for the next instalment.